Hey, thanks for taking the time to watch or listen. Well, we're two weeks into a series called Exodus, and not only has it been a good story, it's been a true story. Now, the first 15 chapters of Exodus tell the story of how God led his people through a dark time in their history. We've seen that God has done some pretty neat things so far in the story, and today we're going to pick up the story. And so let's recap a little bit. Maybe you're joining us for the first time. The first week, we looked and we kicked off the series with looking at purpose. One of the things we learned is that purpose is the process of preparation. God had about 80 years to prepare Moses for the purpose that he had for him. And it was a reminder for us that for some of us, we're looking for a purpose. We're trying to find our purpose. We're reminded that it takes some time. Last week, we looked at rejection. and We learned that it's personal and it has consequences in our relationships, specifically in our relationship with God. The thing that we left everyone with was this question. So before we left, we asked this question. What am I trying to control that is out of control and the thing that I need to surrender to God? And that's what we left everyone with last week. Well, this week, we're going to be looking at chapters 11 and 12, and we're going to be looking at something that we all love to talk about, but we don't like to practice. I know for me, it's something that I, I teach Brooke about. Uh, Jenny and I both, we, we tell her to do this. And yet for us, it's really hard to do. Now, so far in our story, we have our main character. His name is Moses, and he was born into slavery. And with a step of faith from his mom, Moses went from being saved from genocide to being adopted into the royal family. He grew up as a royal but understood that his identity was a Hebrew. Now, after running to avoid getting caught for murder, he was defending a fellow Hebrew. He ran off into the country. While there, God, in those 40 years, he was providing Moses opportunity to grow into the purpose that he had for him, which was to set God's people free. Now, Moses returns, and he goes back to the royal palace. He goes back to the royal home, and he's faced with rejection. Pharaoh, we learned last week, was not willing to let God's people free. Now, here's the deal. He was not rejecting Moses. He was rejecting God. And because of his rejection, many of his own people felt the consequences of that rejection. God sent plagues to destroy the economy, and it left that fertile land look like a wasteland. It looked like a dystopian. It looked like the apocalypse. But yet, even with all of that, Pharaoh wasn't willing to let God's people free. So God sent one final plague, and he said that it would finally loosen Pharaoh's grip on the Hebrews' freedom. Now here's the deal. For freedom, there had to be sacrifice. God would provide it for his people, but it would cost them something. And those willing to sacrifice were saved, they were spared, they were rescued, they were freed. And those unwilling to sacrifice experienced great loss. Let's define sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving some, something that you value for something more valuable. Maybe another way that we could say this is that you're giving up something that's good for something that you believe is greater. Like we love to watch movies, read books, and hear stories of sacrifice. <laughs> for some of us, it triggers an emotional response. Like we get all sappy when we see this happen in a book or a movie. We love it. We feel inspired by it. We even look for this quality in other people. We like 
when we're hiring or recruiting someone or dating someone that puts people ahead of themselves. Honestly, it's easier to be in the stands than being in the field when it comes to sacrifice. We have a hard time putting this into practice. We value it, but we have a hard time living it out. I remember being 11 years old in Little League, and my third base coach wanted me to bunt. Now, that means you're not swinging, you're putting your bat down, the ball goes a little bit, and you're trying to advance a runner. But basically, you're sacrificing yourself to move someone from one base to another base. So I have one foot out of the batter's box looking down the third baseline, and he's telling me to bunt. He's asking me to bunt. He's asking me to sacrifice myself to get that person from second base to third base with one out. I place my foot back in the batter's box, and I'm thinking that this was the dumbest thing being asked to be. Now, look, without bragging, I was the best hitter on the team, and they wanted me to bunt with one out to advance the runner from second base to third base, with the odds are if I hit a single, the runner would score. When you and I are asked to sacrifice, sometimes the thing we have to sacrifice is our pride. And, and not the good kind of pride, the bad kind of pride. For, for most of us, there are things that we hold tightly and there are things that we'll be asked to let go. Maybe for you, it's a career, it's a job, it's a promotion, a title, position, task, responsibilities. For others of us, it may be money, a house, a vehicle, or maybe for you, a relationship. Now let me ask a question. What if the things we're holding on to are actually keeping us from being free? Let's personalize it. What if the things you're holding on to are actually keeping you from being free? We'll have a deeper understanding of sacrifice as we walk through the chapters 11 and 12 this morning. So let's, let's jump in. Moses is frustrated. God has had these plagues and Pharaoh will not let the people go and God reminds him of this. He, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt and after that he will let you go from here. Freedom isn't too far away for Moses and the Hebrews. They can, they can see it. They can taste it. They can feel it. Like it's almost there. It's got to happen. And what we're reminded of in this is that God is personal and he's present with his leader and his people as he's providing the right timeline. And, and there's going to be something we're about to read and it just shows you that God had the perfect time for this. He's asking them to do one more thing. He says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's family, one animal per family. Now, the household is too small for the whole animal, and that person and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to what each will eat. Now, look, it would happen here at Southridge. We have a few families that are pretty big that they wouldn't need to partner up with a, a couple families. But a family like ours, we would need to partner up with some people. Notice this. You must have an unblemished animal, a one-year-old male, you may take it from either the sheep or the goats, and you are to keep it until the 14th day of this month. Now, here's why this is so cool. God was specific with the 14th because there would be a full moon on the 14th that aided their escape. 
God's timing <laughs> was perfect. Then, this is so cool, the whole assembly of the community of Israel will be slaughtered the animals at twilight. Now notice this, and they will escape. They will be set free. But before that, they must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it, roasted over the fire, along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over fire. Its head, as well as its legs and inner organs. Ooh. And you must not leave any of it until morning. Any part of it left until morning must be burned. I know some of you are thinking, well, the organs would definitely be burned. Here's the big takeaway. For freedom, there has to be sacrifice. <laughs> this meant that sacrificing a one-year-old male goat or, or lamb without any defect. This was the cost of freedom for the Hebrew people. Freedom costs something. Freedom isn't free. Someone has to pay. I'm reminded of the story of the Alamo. You have Colonel Travis, and he's faced, and he's facing his embattled defenders of the Alamo. He says, men, the Mexican dictator has demanded our surrender. But this fort is essential to the defense of Texas. My orders are to hold it. There is no help coming to reinforce us. The Mexicans are about 5,000 strong. Now, the 232 people who are listening in on him, they watched him, and Colonel Travis drew a line on the dirt floor with his sword. He says, any man who wants to escape is free to go now. Any who are determined to stay and die in defense of the Alamo will cross this line. Davy Crockett boldly stepped across. Others began to follow Crockett. And then finally, only James Bowie, yeah, the guy who made the Bowie knife famous, was left. He's too ill to move. And he calls for someone to carry him across the line. So Colonel Travis sent the fateful message over to the Mexican army. We refuse to surrender. Mexicans attacked on March 6th, 1838. It took three assaults. And they overpowered the 232 Americans. All 232 died. When the news of their bravery leaked the American forces, leaked to the American forces, the defenders, the army, they were inspired. And then you had General Sam Houston, and he gave this battle cry: "Victory is certain. Remember the Alamo." And that, those words, that phrase, fired up the American army, and it led them. To victory. Don't miss this. For our spiritual freedom, there has to be a sacrifice. Our spiritual freedom came at a cost. Our freedom wasn't free, even though it's free to us to receive. Jesus was our sacrifice. Notice what Paul writes. He says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Whoa. Wow. Now, have you ever noticed the parallels between the Passover lamb and Jesus? Well, there are a few parallels. First, the Passover lamb that we read about in Exodus was without defect. Jesus, he was without sin. Another parallel. Do you know the blood of the Passover lamb, it protected God's people from the death angel? 
Do you know that Jesus' blood protects us from eternal death? See, God's judgment passes over us as Christ's blood has been applied to us. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Another parallel is the Hebrew people, because of the blood, were released from slavery in Egypt. Well, the blood of Christ releases us from the slavery of sin. Did you notice that in here, we talked about the full moon, that the first Passover happened at twilight? And did you know that when Christ was on the cross, darkness covered the earth? You had the first Passover, and as Jesus is hanging on the cross, you had the last Passover. Jesus is our great example, and at the same time, he's our greatest gift. Jesus was willing to lay down his life so that we could be set free. That is an incredible picture, the the perfect example of sacrifice. Have you ever read Charles Dickens' The Tale of Two Cities? You have a guy by the name of Sidney, Sidney Carton, and he dies for Charles Darney. The young Frenchman, Darney, was condemned to die by the guillotine. So Carton is dissipated he's he's a dissipated english lawyer i mean the guy threw away his life he threw away all his potential for some crazy living while um he learns the the basically the that his friend's gonna die he determines to save his life by laying down his life not only because he loves his friend but for the sake of the man's wife and the man's daughter and so to that end Carton gains admission somehow to the dungeon that night before the execution. He changes garments with Darnie. The next day, he's let out, put to death as Charles Darnie. Well, before he went to the dungeon and they did the swap, he entered the courtyard. He remained there for a few minutes and he looked up at the light in the window of the daughter's room. And maybe that inspired him. Maybe that kept him going. He was led by the light of love and it led straight to the dungeon and then to death. As we see him ascending to the steps of his place of death, his hands are bound behind his back, taking his last look at the world. The words of our Savior come to mind, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Y'all, in order to be free, we have to lay down our pride and accept him. See, once we're free, there will be things that will compete with our heart. Good things. We have relationships, sports, job, career, house. I mean, these things are good, but they will compete with what's greatest, and that's Jesus. See, for you to experience freedom, there has to be sacrifice. Something has to give for you to receive. Something has to give for you to receive. See, once we know that sacrifice is required, there needs to be a willingness to do it. Y'all, if we're willing to sacrifice, we'll be spared, we'll be saved, we'll be rescued, we'll be set free. Now the Hebrews, they had a decision to make, and it was a big decision. They sacrificed something of significant worth. Look, as slaves, a lamb or a goat, was a big deal. And then having a lamb or goat without a blemish was even a bigger deal. It was a significant worth. But they were willing to sacrifice that for something greater, which was a freedom to freely worship God in the land that he promised them. 
if we are unwilling to sacrifice, we'll experience great loss. Pharaoh was unwilling. He wasn't willing to budge. He wasn't willing to sacrifice his pride and his success, which ironically, his success came because of the Hebrew people. Pharaoh experienced great pain because of great loss. He attempted to hold on to something that didn't even belong to him. God's people didn't belong to him, but he held on. See, God provided him plenty of opportunity to open up his hands. Pharaoh just refused. Now notice what Jesus says. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. Either we choose to keep the good, we we keep our stuff, and we lose in the end, or we're willing to live open-handed with our stuff and sacrifice for greater, and we win in the end. Remember the story I shared about being 11 and being in Little League and my coach, in my opinion, asking me a really dumb thing to do. Let's just say I learned a very valuable lesson. That sacrifice leads to something greater. And in my case as an 11-year-old, it led to a team win. Once God's people were willing to sacrifice something of significant worth, they needed to be ready to walk in that freedom. This is an amazing part of the story. He says this to Moses, here is how you must eat it. You must be dressed for travel, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. Now here's why this is so important. God wanted his people to be ready to start moving in freedom when Pharaoh let them go. That the people were not meant to enjoy this. This wasn't like the 4th of July. You have a good barbecue with good friends, good food, good drinks, where we enjoy that. We hang out. No, this was different. Sacrifice, don't miss this, isn't something to be enjoyed. There can be pain involved with swallowing our pride or giving up something good for something greater it takes faith it's not easy and when god set us free through jesus's sacrifice we need to be moving into something greater with jesus as a leader of our life and that is freedom freedom so three questions to ask yourself one what are you willing to sacrifice that's good for something greater two What do you believe God wants to do with your life? And then three. What do you believe you're holding on to that you have convinced yourself that is greater than a life surrendered to Jesus? Y'all, I want to call a quick time out before we have communion. And hopefully you have time right now to get that. Whether it's wine or juice or Kool-Aid or maybe you don't have bread but you have rich crackers. Now, feel free to get that now, but I want to call a timeout. I'm going to share more about this next month, but we have some changes come to our construction budget. Now, we're still building the facility, but we want you to know that next, next month I'll talk more about this, but some things happened. We had to increase our budget. And I just want to call a timeout and say thank you to those who 
have sacrificed to help fund this new facility. I want to say for, for, thank you for believing in our value of you bring your tithe and you give your offering. I want to thank you for that, believing in that value that we, we share. We believe that we bring our tithe because it already belongs to God. A tithe is 10% of what you make. An offering is above and beyond that tithe. Say, you make $1,000 a week. Well, $100 a week goes to the local church, and above and beyond that is an offering. That's something we give. So we bring our tithe, we give our offering. Some of you I know have been willing to sacrifice something that was really good for something that you believe is greater. You believe that this new facility is greater than the good thing that you were saving for or maybe the thing that you wanted to get. And I can't thank you enough. And quite honestly, I'll be honest, we've seen God do some pretty miraculous stuff. When we took a step of faith and we said, God, this is the number we believe that you want us to give above and beyond what we're currently tithing. And God has provided us in ways that money we've never thought possible. And right now we're outpacing that gift, that amount, that number. So guys, I want to say thank you to those who are willing to sacrifice. So right now, if it's okay, let's take communion together, the Lord's Supper together. I'm going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. Paul, who's writing to a local church, as they're doing this together, kind of giving them instructions, he says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this is a time now to take whether a cracker or a bread. And we're thinking about what Jesus did for us. Remember, he took our place. His body was broken for you and I. That was the punishment of our sin. That's what our sin cost. It was Jesus's death. So this is your time to take that now. And then he continues, he said, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It is only by his blood that we are set free. His blood is how we're able to receive forgiveness. Just as we talked about in Exodus, which is very fitting that we're taking communion today. So, as you drink, remember what you've been forgiven of, what you've been set free from, and what you've been set, not just set free, you know, not what you've been saved to, uh, saved from, but what you've been saved to, which we can freely worship him. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to celebrate, to look back at what Jesus has done for us, how he was the final Passover lamb. Thank you for the freedom that we have to live for you. Oh, man, how we've been set free to live for you. Jesus, thank you for being 
the perfect leader of our lives. Help us to live in faith. Help us to be willing to sacrifice our pride, some of the things that we think is good or are good for something that we believe is greater, and that is you, a life with you leading us. So we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen.